all uh, walking in the joy and comfort, the Holy Spirit. By the sound of your prayers, you certainly were doing that. Um, it's lovely to be among the brothers and sisters. There's nothing like it. And uh, this morning, we're looking at the book of Revelation. Don't get alarmed because we're not going into anything very difficult. I don't know the book well enough to do that. But we're looking at chapter 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him, to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass, and he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. Now this is important, this next verse, because it says, Blessed is he that readeth, and that's me because it's a public reading, and they that hear the word, so that's you. So it's a blessing just to listen to the book of Revelation. And keep those things, uh, that hear the word of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him, which is and which was and which is to come, and from the seven spirits, which are before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, under him that loved us, and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and hath made us a kingdom of priests under God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion for ever and ever. Amen. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all the kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. I, John who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, and what thou seest, write in a book, send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, unto Smyrna, unto Pergamos, and unto Thyatira, and unto Sardis, and unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, 
and gird about the paps with a golden girdle. His hair and his head were white as wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire. His feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp, two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shining in his strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. He laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. Behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Write the things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks, the seven stars are the angels or messengers or pastors of the seven churches, and the seven candlesticks which thou saw are the seven churches. Yeah, it's very interesting because um, at the time, this was a time of great persecution in the church. And the Roman Emperor Domitian was throwing the Christians to the lion, banishing them, as John was banished to the Isle of Patmos, which would have been, your goods would have been taken away. You'd have been given very little food, probably working in the mines there. And so it was a very, very difficult time for Christians. And that's why we read in verse 9, I am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ. But you know, there's always a balance to the scriptures. God will never ever leave us in a hole. He will always come and bring some kind of deliverance. Now, if we don't believe that, we'll never receive anything from God. But if you read the Bible through and through and through, God cares especially for his own. And uh, so we have this picture of uh, the book of Revelation and John. Um, so what, what does God do to get them out of this mess? They must have been feeling terrible. You didn't know who was going to knock at the door and throw you into prison, throw you to the lions. But God comes along and starts to encourage. And he encourages by showing you what the future holds for a Christian. It's absolutely marvellous. It's wonderful. The whole destiny of mankind is opened up by God. And you know what happens. In the end times, Jesus will come again and take us away. And we will ever live for him in heaven. 
You know, we are so blessed of God. God has his hand upon us. He will never let us go. And so then we see, you know, the blessing of God through the development of the book of Revelation. Um, What it is actually, the Revelation, it simply means it's an unveiling. Something was hidden. It was behind a curtain. The curtain is pulled aside and we see as we've never seen before. And if you read through the, the whole of the book of Revelation, the key figure is always, as it is in all of the scriptures, it's the Lord Jesus. He has the key role. He is the first and the last who was and is and ever shall be. He's the one who created. And it describes him uh, here in a particular way. If you go through the book of Revelations, you get pictures of the Lord. You get pictures of him as the first and last. You get pictures of him as the king of kings. You get a picture of him as a conquering hero, you remember? The rider on the white horse with a name written upon his thigh, Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And here we've got another picture of the Lord. Um, And the first thing that I want us to note, this, he says, he is the first and the last. What did he mean by that? Well, he tells you, he's the first begotten from the dead. Now, there's never anyone throughout the whole of the history of the world who's been resurrected in the same way as Jesus. Lazarus was a resuscitation. Dorcas was a resuscitation. They were raised up, but they had to die again. But Jesus is the first begotten from the dead. And he was raised to, be, to have an empire over the living and over the dead. You know, sometimes we forget this, but Jesus is the Lord of unbelievers. That's what his resurrection means. He's been raised up to receive a kingdom. Bless his holy name. Um, I just want to look very briefly at some of the the points of the resurrection. Now you already know this, I'm I'm well aware of that, but I'm also aware that um, the Bible is very, very careful to bring to our remembrance these things and to give us a focus so that it becomes, if you like, stamped upon our heart. And uh, the thing that we need to see about the resurrection, first of all, is that (coughs) it's given a great, great preeminence in the scriptures. What do I mean by that? Well, um, first of all, look at the number of times that Jesus appeared to people when he was resurrected in different situations. And he said, this went over, you read Acts chapter 1, this was continuing over 40 days and the the scripture says he gave 
infallible proof of his resurrection. It never fails. It's absolutely true. You look at all the religions of the world, you never find any of them has somebody who's resurrected and is communicating with on a day-by-day basis. We're the only ones. He's the first begotten from the dead. You know, if he's the first begotten, who's the second? He has a harvest. And that will be us. We're going to follow. We're going to have a resurrection body. This old body is going to wither away and it will be a body suited to a different age, a different clime, if you like. There will be no more pain. There will be no more grieving. God is prepared for each of us, like we've just heard, a mansion, a mansion. What a wonderful thing. No, the thing is, it's absolutely certain it's going to happen. We've got God's word for it. We've got the example of Jesus. If Jesus was raised up, so shall I be. Hallelujah. Did he have a resurrection? Then I will too. Well, the scripture says, as he is, so am I in this world. And then again, um, looking at the importance of the resurrection, I think the scripture that really captures it more than any other is 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, <clears throat> starting from verse 12. Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how some say among you that there's no resurrection of the dead? There's a few people who say that today. You tell, tell anybody that Jesus is resurrected and that he's coming back soon. You tell unbelievers. You know, we need to be very, we need to love unbelievers, but at the same time, we need a balance there because they hate Jesus. They hate the thing. He said, if they hated me, they will hate you. That's what it says. But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain and your faith is also vain. So I'm wasting my time if he's not, if he hasn't been raised. We're wasting our time going to church. We're wasting our time reading the Bible. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain, you are yet in your sins. Then they are also which are fallen asleep in Christ, are perished. Now this is, this is a scripture that really hits it home. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are 
of all men most miserable. We serve a risen, a risen Saviour. We have a living God. We walk with him and talk with him. He speaks to us. He cares for us. It's dynamic. It's a wonderful thing. Relationship with Jesus. It's a quickening relationship. What are we doing? Because we're, because we're in Christ, we're drawing his power and his love and his strength. It's coming to us because of his resurrection. Bless his holy name. And so, we really need to make as much as we can about our own walk with the Lord, our own relationship, and make sure that it is alive. That we're, you know, it's so easy, so easy to go through the motions. And especially like me, if you've been on the road a long time, I've been a Christian now for nearly 48 years. I have to be careful it doesn't become a wrong kind of a habit. There's got to be life there. There's got to be movement. There's got to be a dynamism about my relationship with Christ. That's what he wants. He's come to give me life and to give it more abundantly. The Lord liveth, and blessed be my rock, and blessed be the God of my salvation. He's alive. He will never die again. I was dead. I am now alive. Hallelujah. The second thing I want to look at very quickly is... uh, John's tribulation. I said that God always gives relief. What what did God do to get John out of the doldrums? He gave him a vision. He gave him a new look at Christ in a way perhaps that he'd never ever seen before and he'd been with the Lord a long time because now at this time John is an old man, he's over 90. Uh, And then we read that it says this, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. Now, it's a very, very interesting phrase. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. The first thing is this, You'll never have a vision of Christ. Never, ever, if you do what John didn't do. What didn't he do? He didn't quench the Spirit. He didn't say, I don't want your gifts and graces. That's the first thing. What's the second thing that he didn't do? He did not grieve the Spirit. How do you grieve the Spirit? Oh, You know how you can grow the spirit. You can do the wrong things and say the wrong things and be bitter and have hatred in your heart. There's no way you're going to see a picture of Christ if you're like that, but John wasn't like that. He was in the spirit. Now, it's got two meanings, really. The general meaning is this. If you're in the spirit, you're motivated and directed and controlled by the Holy Spirit. 
as we should be if we're Christians. That's our portion. But the other thing that I think it means that it's very important, when he says he was in the Spirit, I think he was remembering something that had happened to him when he was born again. And this is perhaps one of the most important teachings in the whole Bible. And it's simply our union with Christ. I am in Christ, Christ is in me. It's a mystery. It's obviously not a bodily union. Can't put my body into that of Jesus because he's not here. It's a spiritual union. Now let me try and explain what's happened. At one stage of our life, <clears throat> all of us were in the realm and influence of the devil. He had us in the palm of his hand. And somehow God has mysteriously and supernaturally taken me out of the devil and put me in Jesus, or if you like, in the Holy Spirit. He's transplanted me. And you find lots and lots of scriptures. He's planted me again in Christ Jesus. And it's an indissoluble union. For Christ says, none shall pluck me out of my hand. And from that union, I draw strength and hope and love. Put it in another way. The old boss has gone. You know, the old boss brought me grief and heartache and pain. Trying to grind me into the dust to kill me off. He's a murderer from the beginning. I now have a new boss. His name is Jesus. He gives life and joy and peace and life more abundantly. Oh, oh, praise his wonderful name. Who'd want to be anything other than a Christian? You know, you look at unbelievers and sometimes you feel, well, everything seems to be going so well for them. But you know, how terrible it is, it's going to be a reckoning. It's going to be a day of judgment. And in the book of Revelations, Jesus will be a judge of all men. <clears throat> I'll just move on from there and we'll finish up on this. <clears throat> so the Spirit opens the eyes of John and lets him see things that he'd never seen before. What an incredible vision. When I, you know, when I look at that vision and see the glory and the majesty of the Lord, 
and hear what words of grace came from his lips. And then I think of the world. <clears throat> you know, great, powerful, talented international leaders. Not one of them ever spoke like this man. The pop stars and celebrities and all the adulation and wealth and everything. What are they against Jesus? Which of their faces shone with the glory of God? Fear not, I am the first and the last. I suppose if anybody has the blinkers taken off and a true vision of our resurrected Lord, you'll only do one thing, you do what John did, you go down on your face. It's an awesome sight. There's a radiance. His face shone like the noonday sun. And what words that he spoke. I am the first and the last. I am he that was dead and liveth. So let me just finish by just reminding you that the vision that John had, and he had many other of these visions, the first vision was the Lord resurrected and walking upon earth. What was his great concern? Where was he walking? He was walking among us. He was walking among the churches, tending the, the, the candlesticks, which is us, because we're always on his heart. And he ever liveth to intercede for us and to love us. Well, what a wonderful thing it is. Oh, I'm so glad I'm a Christian today. Hallelujah. I wouldn't want it any other way. You could give me all the gold and silver, all the praise of the world. No way. Keep it. I'll take Jesus. Aren't you glad that you've got it? Aren't you glad? It's a wonderful saviour. So, let's go on our way rejoicing. Let's go on our way desiring a vision of him. Lord, more and more, show me your grace and your loveliness. You know what it says in the Song of Solomon? His mouth is most sweet. In other words, the words of grace that he spoke. Yea, he is altogether lovely. It's not like a film star. It's not that loveliness. Do you know what it is? It's the beauty of holiness. The beauty of holiness. We've never met anybody like Jesus because everybody has sinned in some way. But this morning, he is with you to bless you. I don't care what you're going through today. There's a way out. There's a way out. 
God's waiting to give you a deliverance. Are you in the Spirit on the Lord's Day? And may God come to you and bless you and meet your needs. Amen.